podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Walk Podcast with Russell Diver, that's me, and Peter Marsh, that's you, isn't it, Peter? Uh, last time I looked, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still, still as you, is it? Still compass. I haven't Francis. changed my name yet. So, uh... And we are back for the first time in quite a while in our favourite old pub in Borough. Cheers. The Gladstone. Cheers. Excellent. And it's great to be back. And the old guy here as well, man in the forts and uh, serving the beers, which is great. We're going to have Personally our... I appreciate being called the old guy. <laughs> the old guard. <laughs> oh, the old um, guard. And I, I'm wondering if maybe we might end up having some more chicken tikka pies today. I've got this sneaky feeling that might happen. I'm only having, I'm having one, but, you know, maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> and this is our end of season review and a few other bits as well besides. <laughs> um, what we're going to do is, in the first bit, we're just going to talk about the culmination of the end of the season. There's a few more bits happening, including an amazing game today in the National League playoff semi-final, which we'll get to in a second. We're also going to do the review, that'll be the second part, and then third part we'll probably get on with some other general chat. And it is the occasion we, of the Champions League tonight as well. We may also be drinking, so you might hear a little bit more uh, slurring as we go on. <laughs> Not that we've got um, a guilty uh, thing with that happening in the past, of course. However, yes, um, we're, we're here for the Champions League later on um, as well, so we might do a little bit on that. Uh, but I don't think anything could compare with the game today. There's been a great end of season. The playoffs are amidst, aren't they, in the EFL? We've already found out that Sunderland has gone up into the Championship from League One. This weekend, we've got the other two EFL playoffs, and we've got the semi-finals of the National League Premier playoffs as well. So, um, the EFL, we've got, as we're speaking, there's the Mansfield-Port Vale game. Port Vale, 2-0 up. up still. 2-0 up and a man 57 off. minutes gone. Mansfield down to 10 men. Yeah. And that, that game's looking like Port Vale are going to go into League One. We know Sunderland have gone into the Championship. And tomorrow, as we speak, is, of course, the big game. The richest game in English football, in world football, is, of course, the Huddersfield Forest game. All of that, I'm sure, we'll chat about in future time. However, the National League, there's the first two semi-finals today. It was at Wrexham. The, the system's good, actually. I like the system where you have six teams in the playoffs and the two bottom sides play away to the next two sides up the, up the pecking order. As it happened, both the away teams won, which is interesting, which is Grimsby and Chesterfield, sorry, Chesterfield, and then they've now gone away to this weekend, Wrexham and Solihull Moors, respectively. Um, Grimsby away at Wrexham today ended... Wrexham 4, Grimsby 5 in extra time, 4 all at the end of normal time. What a game, Peter. Can you you kind of get your teeth into this? Genuinely a game that had everything. Nine goals, one penalty, two penalties, clear penalties denied. Yep. Yeah, it was... Yeah, it was loads of controversy, which weirdly yeah. evened out. In my the, the referee gave it pretty much everything wrong, <laughs> but then yeah, that evened out overall. So it was one of those games where I was knackered after just watching yeah. as a neutral. Let alone you know what the fans must have been going through. Grimsby fans have had a, I mean, a crazy week. It's been like they they went to Notts County on Monday, were one down in, on the 94th minute, I think it was, or something like that. They equalised 94th minute, won it in 119th minute, and today they've gone to a game five four match where they've won it in 119th minute again and. Late with an, ex, with an ex-Rexham player scoring the winner, oh. Hollywood script against the Hollywood owners. It's like, <laughs> exactly. Could not make it up if you tried. You really couldn't. And those late goals, I mean, they put Brighton to shame, don't they, really? The amount, the amount of late goals they're getting. And yeah. now they have, they've got a final... They've got the final at London Stadium to get back into the league immediately, yeah. eventually. Which will be against Solihull Moors or their, um, their um, visitors. 
uh, Chesterfield, which will so, be tomorrow. Yeah, so far, the omens are with Chesterfield because every single away team has won. Yeah, exactly. What a game this was, though. I mean, it was, there was loads of mistakes in there, both in terms of the referee and in terms of both defences as well. Well, neither team appeared to be able to defend most no. of the time. I mean, Wrexham have got a heavyweight talent going forward. They've got Mullin, they've got Jordan Davis, who's a former yeah. player of, um, Albion. of, of Albion. Yeah. And, you, um, and, and 23, and um, uh, Palmer as well, who's yeah. pretty... He came from Wimbledon. They yeah. signed two divisions down to to join. Well, would have been at Cambridge. Would have been yeah, league one as yeah. well. So they they were an ambitious club. They put money into it. And to be honest with you, they they, they pushed all the way with Stockport. And they, both those Stockport and Wrexham deserve to go up. But it's not to be for Wrexham. They're going to have to have another season where I think everyone in the national league's groaning that they've been knocked out. Yeah, I, I, I would say that they're they always get rid of them. as much as a, of a, short, a certainty for going up. Because I imagine there'll be more money thrown at them and more yeah more cash spent mm. and. They will end up being, yeah, Parkinson's a decent manager at that sort of level and lower levels and he'll, yeah, they'll go up next season quite comfortably, I'd imagine. Yeah. They might have a slightly up and down start, but, yeah. after that, but, I mean, it's hard to see how they can improve their strike force at that level. I know. I don't, I don't think they need to, actually. No. They don't need to sign anyone. They've already got the best. Because one of those, Ollie Palmer came in January, so obviously they yeah. didn't have him the whole way through. And I think if they had a done, he would have been the top scorer instead of yeah. Mullen. It was a golden boot winner for the whole division. But um, anyway, I mean, just to talk about. Well, he missed two very good chances at the last minute of yeah, extra to the normal time today, yeah. which would have probably won it for them. Yeah. They also have a good save as well from the goalie. He was very good yeah. for his goalie. A croaker, I think, at the time. Despite four goals conceded. Yes, exactly. It sounds weird to say, but that's because of his defenders. The, the one I would say stood out to me today was uh, McAtee of Grimsby, who mm. his brother is at Man City and was at one point linked to Albion. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, his first, the first goal he got for Grimsby was incredible. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, he just didn't even look like he was about to shoot and then suddenly arrowed it into the top corner. It was yeah. right after they'd, they'd gone behind unjustly because Grimsby started really well. Repsom just barely got out their half and then for the first attack got a... Why it was a very questionable penalty, and then yeah, yeah, there. yeah. I mean, that's right. They had the goal disallowed. Wrexham went one 0 up with a questionable penalty. Uh, Bruce then turned it round, but almost immediately yeah. striking back. Then going ahead two one. Wrexham turned it round to three. Completely, I mean, literally immediately, like two goals in two minutes. This was at the beginning there. of the second half as well, wasn't it? And then Bruce turned it round to four three. So you had this yeah. complete topsy turvy thing going on, which continued with Wrexham uh, equalising six to goals. I think from like forty seven to eighty minutes or something like that. Yeah, yeah, amazing because it's one yeah. all at half time. Yeah. So the rest of that happened after half time. Wrexham got back to four all. So you're thinking, right, well, the obvious thing now is Wrexham get the winner based on the patterns of play. But for once, it, it turned off the pattern and Grimsby managed to get that and very and late. Again, a winner from a long throw. I, I was saying on, on the WhatsApp groups earlier, yeah, I was really, teams. it was so good, to, it was so fun yeah. to see like two massive long throws from like almost the halfway line kind of causing havoc at both ends. Yeah, they were, they were properly yeah, proper good. Yeah, proper Dave Chaloner sort of... Uh, yeah. And they, they weren't just like looping as well, they were kind of properly whipped in. And Which feels fitting because Dave Chalmers yeah. just won the title yeah. in that division with uh, Stockwell. Who, who were the players? I didn't actually copy uh, the word. Tozer, the uh, oh, centre back yeah. for Wrexham, and yeah. uh, what's his name? Um, not Cribbin, but something like that. Cri- Bernie Cribbin? Cho- not Chopper. <laughs> Chopper. Chopper Harris? Cropper, that was proper. his name. Cropper, proper northern name for uh, a for proper Grimsby. northern name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, Wrexham right came a cropper from one of his long yeah, Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Rather appropriate again, isn't it? Yeah. But, no, fantastic. Game. And, and yeah, the two goals scored from the centre half, um, whose name? Uh, uh, Waterfall. Waterfall, yeah. Waterfall, who's the captain of Grimsby yeah. as well. Who, yeah. who used to play for Wrexham. Exactly. Every time I hear his name, I'm, I'm thinking Stone Roses. Do, 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 do. 
Yeah, anyway, no, he's a good player, and that was his eighth and ninth goals, I think, of the season. But long throws like that, I'm not surprised. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you literally never yeah. see him without Stoke being up there. You never see him yeah. in Premier League these days. You see the odd one from like the edge of the area sort of thing, but you don't see him ever from yeah. arrowed in from the halfway line like you used to get with Dave Chandler and things like I that. I think I've seen one or two. He belted a couple in as well. Really yeah. good strikes. Yeah, they're not. They're not. Yeah. They're not yeah. like kind of. Oh, I mean, with, with yeah. the speed, yeah, in, in other, yeah, in other games, yeah. Who was anyway. the um, Stoke player who did the long throws all the time? I can't. Was it oh, Delap? Delap, yeah, yeah. Yeah, guy with very big ears. Uh, not, 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 not in a way, though. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not as bad as or as good if you like big ears as Thomas Frank. But there we go. But he, at least at least he didn't get in the way when he's like take, like, take a long throw. <laughs> Maybe it helped him. <laughs> his trajectory. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, that was that. I mean, fantastic entertainment. I'm sure the two managers would both be lamenting the fencing. I imagine they'll both be furious. Generally, yeah, it's kind of like. But Grimsby go on. Paul Hurst is building his yeah. way up again because he had a really good job at Shrewsbury and then yeah. took them mistake of Benoit Ipswich, which, which is a job that seems to be a poison challenge to everyone now. Yeah. But I notice another former, you could face another former Ipswich manager in the playoff final if I'm just filming. Yeah. I realise they've got Paul Cook now, which I hadn't realised. That's right, he's, he's a good manager and he's. Yeah. He's a, lot of, a lot of good managers have failed to do well with Ipswich, who yeah. they seem to be a bit of a yeah. a bit of a poison challenge. I, I think the talent down there is really good. And it's interesting that Luke Garrett, who's the Board of Wood manager, I think is amongst the best, said that he thinks Pete Wilde, the, the Halifax manager, pound for pound, is the best manager. There's, there's rumours of him, I heard, going to Notts County, who yeah. just lost Ian Birchnell to Forest Green, who lost, lost their manager to Watford. To Watford, and, and I'm sure they'll, he'll lose his job within five minutes yeah. being at Watford. But yeah, that, that's right. I mean, County have you done think well. Think he'll last that long? Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> He's been, they've been pushing at the door, County. They're one of the teams that you would think yeah. were hoping to step on now. They've been down there. They've paid the dues. So they're, they're a very big team, as are yeah. Exxon, as are Stockport. Obviously, all the, just done all the, the club side. Yeah. Yeah, all the, all the attendances. Grimsby averaging five and a half thousand, Wrexham averaging ten thousand, yeah. Chesterfield get two or three thousand, well, County without, get two or three thousand. You look at it without one to go talk about be it sound like a Leeds fan, and I'm not because I don't think that you know I'd say they, these teams deserve to be in there. But if you look at the likes of Stevenage, Crawley, Morecambe, Fleetwood, Accrington, none of them. Are, you know, Accrington they have got a history, but in terms of the fan base and that sort of thing, compared to the top half of the conference, which is why so many teams who go up from the National League do really well immediately. Even Sutton, who aren't that bigger club, came close to the playoffs this year. That's right, and, and yeah. You look at teams at Hartlepool, decent yeah. club with a rich history in the league, but, but I wouldn't say they're, they're a bigger club than any of those other teams struggling, for example, is another no. club that's come up. Barrow have been in the league, they've been out in the league for a very long time. They're not Alpha huge, back. but yeah, you look at some of the ones who. Yeah. But even the ones like Yeovil and Burton, who, you know, obviously aren't that big, and what, I didn't have a league history, went straight yeah. through a couple of tight years, and yeah. actually I would think Stockport. Stockport, I would say they've got a fair chance of, and Wrexham once they do go up will have a fair chance of going through the league so they get an 8 or 9 there should be three teams going sell up sell out don't they every, yeah. every match so. say, I don't understand why three teams go up from League 2 and one team goes up automatically from from the comp, from National League I'm just like, four, I team, four, four yeah, teams three, three, three teams automatically up from one team yeah yeah um, yeah, I, I, I really don't like that because yeah. it's an anomaly. I think we've said and before we should even it out and have two up from yeah. the in one playoff from each division. If it needs rebranding, then fair enough, I think. Yeah. Really, if you want to call it League Three, because there's so many big clubs there. We haven't even mentioned teams like Torquay yeah. and Southend and Aldershot and various other teams that yes. were in the league before who, who have been nowhere, really. I actually awesome. wouldn't mind rebranding the actual playoffs in the league as the same as the playoffs in the um, non league, the Pearl. Having the six teams. Yeah. yeah, and having home legs for. Um, it was just I, think, I do think 
I think playoffs are needed. I think it's a great thing. But I also think that maybe having a third... Obviously, it's kind of ridiculous now that Grimsby have uh, yeah. gone, gone and won. It, it would only take slightly longer in terms of time because you, you'd have one single matches with the, the higher-ranked team yeah. at home um, for that game, which is fine. Yeah. Obviously, you need to leave a couple more, two or three more days rest time yeah. before you can have another match. Whereas with the Well, I think we just do one weekend, one weekend, one weekend, rather yeah. than having mm. like mid, midweek, midweek, and then a gap yeah. of a week and a half. Or stretch it over five days or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. doable. Anyway. So, yeah, I, I just don't understand. I, I think they should they reformat them because you don't... I mean, look at Albion and what happened to us after we lost to this time. I think having a, a break for the team who just missed out on all that promotion potentially yeah. Yeah. is actually a good thing. You know, kind of giving a break to that team. Because the only ones who are top two are meeting is tomorrow with Forest Huddersfield. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the only... I mean, if you look, if you go down... There's uh, always something, isn't there? You go it? down, it's... Sunderland were, were the higher team, but Wickham were lower than MK Dons, although, to be fair, yeah. MK Dons got knocked out, so I'm fine with that. Um, <laughs> Mansfield won, despite being the lower team. Yeah. Obviously, the National League could be, end up being sixth against seventh in the end, mm. although, obviously, that's the other format. This it's, is what Chesterfield yeah. Grimsby, if it, if it ends up in that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. could be third against yeah. sixth, or it could be sixth against seventh. But I was interesting, because I, I watched... I've called up with some games today, so I watched that match on a bit of a delay, because I was also catching up with last Sunday's game which of course was the FA Trophy sorry not the FA Trophy the FA Vars the, um, the smaller of the two non-league tournaments um, where Littlehampton were involved so you've got for anyone that doesn't know the FA Trophy is for top four levels of the non-league FA Vars is for fifth tier downwards and Littlehampton and their opponents Newport Pagnell better known as a service station but there is a decent town in um, you know in the Milton Keynes area um they're, they're both basically amongst the top level because yeah. they're in the they're in the fifth. Both Littlehampton were singing at them like you know we are, you know we love memory or something like that. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you're just a service yeah. station on the M, whatever it is. Yeah. No, um, what for gap? What for gap? What for gap? <laughs> yeah, mind the gap. What for gap? Yeah. Um, but no, I mean overall though, I think um, you know they're, they're in the top divisions of that of that category, and and Littlehampton went up as champions of their division, so they they were probably going as favourites to the game, but they were well beaten on the day. To yeah. Um, I think it was just one of those days it wasn't happening it wasn't clicking uh, their set, set piece specialist was missing um, the interesting bit was Pattenden uh, this is Lucas Pattenden brother, brother of brother, Jasper brother of Jasper of Worthing of course who, who, seen, who got sent off didn't he against Brighton in, in, in the uh, Tussock Senior Cup didn't oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't follow that yeah did he okay, I, I yeah. that could have been a damaging moment for them because he's one of their best players and by all accounts from what I've been hearing on the Rebel Yell podcast um, he's off he's going to be going quite high up the rankings from Worthing's new level with the National League South he's a good he's a good player and there's, there's a lot of interest in him there his, aren't many players around called Jasper uh, but his brother Lucas Pattenden is um he, he's, he plays in the same position I think they both have the number 7 don't they on their jerseys um, and I honestly could not he, say he that. plays the same role as attacking right sider and he looks identical to him. I don't know if they're twins or not, but if they're not, then um, they might as well be. They've got exactly the same look, and they play in the same style. And he, he looked, it looked to me as if he was one of the key players they needed to shine and to do something in this game. And I don't think they've, he was quite able to do it. I don't think the link-up play was there. They looked a bit overawed. I think they, they were rushing their passes a bit. There's too many straight balls, and they were trying to rely a little bit on kind of well just not very good quality counter-attacking actually and Newport Pagnell sat in they kept their shape as Adam Virgo said keeping their shape won them the game which I think is true they did look the better side on the day so well done to them congratulations to them and a hell of a first goal from I think it's Bailey I know Barnes his name Kieran Barnes 
Um, there was a corner, nudged out, took a bounce, then he hit it on the on the next uh, the next bounce up. Caught it absolutely beautiful, really really difficult technique. Goalkeeper had no chance. That set them on the way, and they ended up winning three 0 But um, it was uh, entertaining to see Littlehampton there. Both sides have never been there in their histories before so it was it was a great day out 7,000 sellouts for both sets of supporters and there was a few Wrexham fans and other people in there early as well so it was a good day for what they call non-league finals day um, which has been going for about six years now and I think having the FA Vars and the, the high ranked FA Trophy tournaments on the same day is a really good idea so so that's, so that's that Peter you've been you've been scouring through to try and have a look at the um, the patent and send off senior I can't read what that says I haven't got my glasses Basically, you said the eyes right, yeah. Yeah, so Patton was sent off in the senior cup. That's all I got to Straight red in stoppage. What was the score? 4-2 in the end, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So they retained the trophy, is it? Retain it? Yeah. Champions of Sussex. No one else will ever see that. No one ever will. Oh, yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe. So, you know, so Littlehampton, I mean, they... I don't know what happened with the other cup, but they had the potential to win three others. I'm not sure it's happened. Well, it hadn't happened before last weekend, I think. Yeah, no, I, I might have done since. I'm not sure. They were playing Saltdean in what I presume is a divisional trophy. They've already won a trophy. It's not the FA Cup then. No, it's not the FA Cup. No, they've won some other trophy and they've won the league. They got promoted into Hastings Division. Hastings got promoted into Worthing yeah. Division. Worthing got promoted into the National South. And it's one division away from the game we were talking about yeah. today. The standard, well, defending wasn't great, but the standard of the attacking play was pretty impressive that's one division above where Worthy are moving into I was going to say this like, so talking of National League South the playoff final last weekend Dorking equalising late, very very late on an injury time having conceded yeah. in 91 minutes Dorking have been promoted they've, they've existed for 23 years as Dorking yeah. Wanderers although they've moved and I think they've been rated 20, uh, 13 uh, times 12, 12 times 12 in 23 times, years yeah it's like around that in 23 years with no relegation yeah. so that is, that is a genuinely I mean all yeah. the, they were like well below the Sussex County League yeah. before yeah. they were weirdly played in Sussex initially they were, they were playing Sunday yeah. football they were playing yeah. pub teams literally pub yeah. teams yeah. and then they moved that? into yeah. randomly the Sussex Senior League it's not, even though they're in Surrey it's kind of like it's a bit yeah, like it's the weird border, though. It's yeah it's on the border and so they, they yeah. played I think there were four promotions in the pub league four promotions in the Sussex Senior League and then another yeah it must be four in yeah. In, the, in the top eight of it very ambitious club they, had, they, they loaned Callum um, Keeley to Worthing who was a key player in the second half of the season for Worthing yes he was doing he was at Worthing before wasn't he then signed yeah. for them yeah. and I think um, essentially they were very keen to um, see uh, Worthing were very keen to see Dorking get promoted on that yeah. basis they might have more chance of keeping him I think he is staying actually and they've signed some of the key players um, Aaron at the back so to speak <laughs> and Ollie in the town they both sign new deals so, they're um, going to win the National League <laughs> South <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's good. congratulations to Dalton. They've done brilliantly. That's a superb yeah. story. It's good to see. I mean, it's nice. They must have it. money behind them. That's what I think they have. They've right? only been at the new ground like, five years since yeah. they merged with. I mean, Dalton Wanderers are 23 years old, and yeah. they've yeah, they've gone from. That will create some animosity for some some people, I'd imagine. But it is good to see what you can do. They're, they're playing. You know, 23 years ago, or 20, 26, 27 years ago, whatever it was, Oldham were in the Premier League. And yeah. Dorking didn't even exist. Yeah. And they'll be playing on next season. Yeah. That, yeah, is, that yeah. is genuinely mad. It's like kind of. Yeah, yeah. That's, that is really and actually, you wouldn't bet against Dorking coming higher next season because Oldham are a mess. Yeah. And, and Dorking yeah. obviously have got quite ambitious owners and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, that's just crazy. When you say that, it's like literally they, they were. 
I mean, it wasn't even like they were, well, if they were, when they were, they would have been about 15, 16 apart, but yeah. at that point, they didn't even exist like, exactly. 30 years ago, something like that. So there we go, so congratulations to all those that have got promoted. Um, there's a really good episode of the Rebel Yell podcast. Really good to see York come up as well. York, yes, yeah, they, they've gone Lovely. up alongside the Gateshead International yeah. Pram. Um, yeah. Thanks for Brackley, though, they played well up there all season and mm. they, they've not yeah. quite made it, but... Yeah. And for Wrexham, missing out today, they missed yeah. out on the on the FA Trophy as well last weekend in the follow-up game after Littlehampton on the same day. So, yeah, disappointment for them, but that'll go again, I'm sure. The Hollywood boys were in town again. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, it's a big club. They're getting 10,000 crowds. I think they'll be... I, I'm, I'm actually happy for Grimsby. I actually kind of want Grimsby to win because I think Wrexham will go up again next season easily. Yeah. Whereas I think Grimsby, Grimsby may not have done... Yeah. They probably well, Hurst, I think that's his second or third spell with them, by yeah. the way. I know you said he's gone off to Shrewsbury and Ipswich. Yeah. He, he, I think he got them up before yeah. and then well, things went pear shaped and he left got sacked or whatever and he, he's definitely been I think he may have even just left to go to trade yeah. him because he was even higher possibly yeah it might have been that actually yeah but it's good to see no, he's a, yeah he's he was yeah, as I said like, Ipswich was just a wrong job for him yeah. I think he's, he's obviously quite a good manager and he's rebuilding his reputation and Rob Beckett was there with his um, his comedy mates one of whom is a Grimsby fan so he's in the away end of Grimsby today which is quite amusing looking very sunburnt yes he's not a classic Grimsby fan <laughs> you wouldn't say and looking a bit hawky unlike us two of course slimline physiques and I'm looking very spelt now you know. very, yeah a very heavy football season of course we're looking in fine fettle ahead of your wedding Peter of course yeah, yeah there seems to be fitting into you though. I have actually done that you know like, <laughs> so before today though yeah I know <laughs> see how we go on after this and on no, that we, note we're, we've, bo- we're both fitting our clothes at the moment we've, but, we've emptied no. our first pint which was a yeah. very nice pint of Duke Session IPA not um, Duke not to be confused with the dog not Duke the dog Peter's dog no Duke's not with us today Duke and it's been very nice we're going to break now for probably some more pints maybe and a little bit of food and we'll be back in part two with our review of the Albion season And so, fully fed, fully watered, we are back with part two, Peter, which is the review of the season. I'm not section. sure fully watered is Well, we, we can carry on watering. Slightly we? more we watered. We've all more <laughs> watered, yeah. I'm on the uh, the great Gypsy Hill Brewery stout, which is called, what was it again? Applauded or Applauded something. Applauded or something, like that, yeah. Applause, maybe. You've had a couple of dukes, what are you on now? I'm on uh, Siren. Siren, yeah, yeah. Marvellous, good stuff, very nice. Okay, well. Let's crack on, because we're of limited time, because your friends have showed up a bit early. So, we're going to do a, a quick run-through of the review of the season. Um, a run-through of the review? A run-through of, of the review. That we've I thought the review was really shit. Yeah. I thought the review was really shit. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was bad. Should we do it again? <laughs> so, so, no, the review of the season. So, obviously, ninth place, best ever finish, best ever points total, amazing record away from home, a load of improvements to certain players, um... Some good signings that are looking promising. Loads and loads of really good things. Uh, weirdly, we've had a season with loads of draws and a run of defeats as well, but overall, it's been a brilliant Loads of draws isn't that weird because we had loads of draws mostly. That's true, yeah. Fair. It's been a brilliant season in general, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah. So, um, let's, let's just take it. Um, we'll, we'll come to um, Player of the Season vote, by the way, which we've been uh, reaching out to our listeners, to our friends, our colleagues, associates. our associates, our, our uh, contributors that have been on the show. Um, and we'll give those results out our shortly. Pets. So stay tuned for that. Can you, yeah, our pets as well, mm. yeah. Can you guess who's won, everybody? Well, we'll come to that in about ten minutes' time. Connolly, I think, was that my guess. Yeah, Connolly is, is a nailed on favourite, isn't he? Obviously, he got two goals in the League Cup match, you know. Don't you know. Anyway, um, 
against Swansea, by the way, for anyone that cares. Um, so, the review of the season. Let's go month by month then, very quickly. Just a quick skip through of it. Um, so, it started in August, and it started rather well, didn't it, Peter? Four wins in five, I think, at the beginning of the yep. season. The only disappointment being losing at home to, well, champions-elect Everton. <laughs> Hang on. What went wrong with that? Um, yeah, so, we, no, we had a good start, didn't we? We did, yeah. Great first win at Burnley, where we were frankly pretty awful first half and uh, came back second half really well and probably eight goals from Mope and McAllister turned it round yeah. uh, comfortable win against Watford who were dreadful at the MX to, to make it yeah with, uh, with Duffy and then Mope scoring yeah. winning against Cardiff in the League Cup as well which uh, with Modder and Zakiri scoring in that yeah. um, to make it 2-0 uh, pretty comfortable quite decent a few youngsters getting games and then yeah there's this point to just to beat to Everton but then before we had Kukurea we didn't have any and I think both March and Lamptey were missing so we had no wing backs at all Kuku didn't make his debut to the Brentford, Brentford game, game yeah. Yeah. yeah and then yeah with Kuku making baby at Brentford we won 1-0 and yeah. then beat Leicester 2-1 to go to go into the top 3 or 4 I think it was in Premier League with 4 wins out of 5 Leicester game obviously a little bit controversial with uh, Mopé's penalty being questioned by Leicester and also yeah. then their two. and we we'd squeezed the win against Brentford as well so we'd had a yeah. bit of fortune haven't we and then a 2-0 win against Swansea as well in the League Cup was uh, mm. little it, did we know when we won that that we wouldn't win again until Boxing Day or that Aaron Connolly would never score for us again I think yeah, we might have an idea about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so good start to the season and I think we've, we've picked up where we left off we've improved yeah. on certain things definitely I think having a good point total early doors helped us didn't it really it kept it, us away from the, all the bad stuff when yeah. we were like really struggling so, so as the season wore on we were never really yeah. under genuine threat of relegation were we no, were, even after 11 games without win yeah. and 6 defeats in a row we never really we were never dragged right into it although another couple of defeats or another couple of games without a win we might mm. have been at one point yeah and then we moved into October. No, we were still September. Oh, no, we were still in September, yeah. We were uh, away to Palace, so oh, obviously, yeah, yeah. you know where this all, all goes, you know, they obviously were beating us and, you know, they were loving it and it was great. And I've only got one question. I don't remember what happened after that. Why did they let it bounce? I don't know. It was, a, it was a difficult decision, you know, but they just thought they'd just give us a goal. It was very nice of them. Um, really well taken by Mope. 95th minute, that was, uh, yeah, of all the last minute equalisers of the season, that was... Uh, <laughs> Pretty epic, we, can I just it? say at this point as well, in terms of the podcast, I think we had uh, Why Did You Let It Bounce or something like that as the title of the episode. Yeah. And we also had Potter's Potty Picks in Pottersville yeah. or something as one of the others, which, which are two of the most... played Lalana and Gross in midfield, right, today, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. So those are two of the most favourite um, podcast the, titles. I also remember the, so the Caxton having a pint of uh, Why Did It Bounce that you had at the time as well. Oh, that was that sensational. Was, like, Love it. When we were going after the Arsenal game tour and we all had like pints of Why Did You Let It Bounce. <laughs> So yeah, into uh, October, which was slightly more inauspicious. Um, it was not that great. We we won major exception, which was yeah, obviously at the, at the end of the month. The we drew nil nil with Arsenal Norwich. Arsenal, we were all over them, hammered them, and yeah. should have beaten them really. But Very didn't have any guilt edge chances. It wasn't like the Leeds and Norwich games that came later. There was no real kind of ones we had to score it was just yeah. kind of we didn't quite put the final ball in the box and then Norwich was just a really poor game yeah. as both of them were we both made um, our separate ways up there to the Carrow Road didn't we and met up I know, I think, on that up, I yeah, we, the up there, yeah. we did the day trip and um, do you enjoy this weekend in Norwich? <laughs> good, good good lad good didn't lad. have to see the football though so that was good that's why he enjoyed his weekend in Norwich yeah, then we had a, a, obviously a bit of a hammering by City where we kind of played into their hands we played a very high line and were three down in half an hour And we've really not cracked City I know we got no. the 3-2 win but certain no. circumstances I mean to be fair they are probably the highest hardest one to crack in a sense but 
We've yet to beat Chelsea, the one we have yet to beat of all of them. So That's true, actually, yeah. yeah we, we've, we've, we've got closer and we've done better against Chelsea, whereas, yeah, other than that one game where we had nothing to play to, for and... Mm. Yeah. yeah. Then we lost to Leicester in the League Cup on penalties, which is quite, to be fair, not a bad result. We've we played quite well. And then the, mo- the result of the month by quite a distance, towards right Anfield, from 2 0 down to the point where Mane scored a third and first was disallowed. Game of the season, was, yeah, I mean, I was there for that. It was a. Uh, in hindsight, now it was worth the eight-hour journey back on a Sunday. <laughs> yes, At the time, it wasn't worth the eight-hour journey back on oh a Sunday. Oh my god! <laughs> but now, uh, sitting here now, I'm glad I went, but because I missed quite a lot of the big what, games. What a result! Season. I mean, we're sitting yeah. here just ahead of the Champions League final, where yes. Liverpool, barring one or two quirks on the last day of the season, could have been going for a yeah. quadruple today. They're going for a, a cup treble. They are one of the best teams of all time, as are Manchester City. And the fact that we came from two yeah. down, not only to draw. But arguably to have deserved to have won. I think yeah, did allude to that. And Trossard did score on the side goal. The 2 0, I mean, they had two goals in Salah as well, obviously, we've got to say. They've yeah, Salah had one let's, at 2 1, and, yeah. and they had the goal at 2 0. Yeah. It has to be said at 2 0, I didn't feel that they just, they, we, were, we were out of it in terms of the way we were playing. We were, we were playing very open. There was a lot of end to end stuff, but we just weren't taking our chances. Would you say this, is, then, one of, this is our best performance of the season? Arguably, yeah, I think probably. It's debatable, I mean, isn't it? I mean, United just didn't look interested, and there are other yeah. ones, obviously, up there as well. But Tottenham away probably is up there. But yeah, I mean, the way we play, we, we didn't deserve to be two down, and we scored two of the best goals you'll see, mm. I think, probably ever. Or whatever. Psychologically, I mean, obviously won. To come back from two. Mecca now. obviously won goal of the season for his, although it's not the sort of goal I, w- I would vote for yeah. normally. Um, I would much more vote for the second goal, which was from Trossard, which was. As, as, with the, the, as with Kukurea's, no, as with um, Grossi's goal against Man, you started off with a brilliant pass from Sanchez. Um, and ended up with a really Tadukarea, good move down the wing, and then into into the box. How, how often do these long passes, yeah. either from Sanchez or Dunk or someone, yeah. end up with Kukarea yeah. with it, a brilliant it first touch? Loads then, of, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was a really well worked goal. Nice ball from Lalana into Trossard, who yeah. dominated initially, and then sidestepped his Robertson and into the corner. And yeah, yeah. I mean, if anyone was going to win it later on, I think Lamptey came on, and it was the first time we'd seen Lamptey where he since he'd come back after like two or three games where he looked like he destroyed the before when he came on he yeah. came on about half an hour left and he was he dominant they couldn't deal with him and hmm. yeah it was it was very very uh, very good game very nice very good day out yeah, brilliant. not so, so good next day but <laughs> November then obviously wasn't so good two rather frustrating home results Newcastle where we dominated for an hour and then let them equalise and after that were pretty poor yeah. and Leeds where we were dominated throughout and didn't couldn't get Nobody the goal. Yeah. yeah, and then Villa away where we were. It was a nothing game. Really, should have yeah. been nil nil. Should have been nil. But we, yeah, we and we were chasing the game. Neither team deserves to win. Two nil was just because we were well, we chasing the game. We weren't really. We just fell apart at one nil. I thought to be honest. I don't think we even put men forward. They just sort of like kept. They woke up and we, we should have stopped that counter attack for the first goal. Yeah, we should goal, shouldn't we? It's, a, it's an that example where we should be more cynical, really. In a yeah, way, you should, should take people taking the book on the halfway line. Their box. Yeah, or even on the halfway line, but just not there. Yeah. I mean, it was a really good goal, to be fair. But yeah, it's one of those ones where it's frustrating because we shouldn't have let it happen. Yeah. So now we go on to the month of the late goals. Yeah, late. We became the late goals. We, we had three away games in uh, in December. Yeah. All of which were one all. All of which we scored late on. Although uh, the Chelsea away wasn't as late as the other two. West Ham obviously was crazy overhead kick from Mopé to make it one one all in the 94th minute, down to ten men. Yeah. Then, then um, Southampton was a 
crazy goal from Mope to make it with, <laughs> yeah. with 10 men late on. Mainly crazy because their, their bizarre defending of the free kick meant that Mope was off onside, even though he should have been miles offside. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, because um, mm. yeah, their keeper had a knock, but it's like he didn't, tell, he didn't go off, which he could have done. Yeah. Um, and then we lost to the right at this point, he lost to Wolves, where we had loads of COVID, and because we're Brighton and not like Tottenham and Manu, who both got we our games, game cancelled. Yeah, yeah. Both got their game cancelled against us because they had lots of COVID in their camp, but we didn't get our game cancelled because we're Brighton and no one gives a shit about whether we've, we've got players who are ill. You cynic, Peter. It's almost like <laughs> Who'd have thought it? Um, and then, great result against Brentford in front of like two men and a dog, basically, because that's all that could make it at the, like 8 o'clock on Boxing Day in the middle of Covid. Boxing Day, 8 o'clock. In the middle of Covid. When you're relying on public transport and there's no public transport running. It's like... Genius. It's like, yeah, I mean... Yeah. It was a great result and we, we played really well. Trossard and Mope, really good game. And then, start, that was the start of seven games unbeaten, which continued with Chelsea away. Well, Bexley equaliser. Great game, that. Yeah, sadly wasn't at, but... Uh, well, Welbeck's late equaliser, and the, the Chelsea fans trying to hold on to the ball when they were winning, yeah. and then eventually a guy kick, trying to kick it over his own head into the crowd behind. Instead, he kicked it into the face of his mate right next to him, which was immensely amusing. I mean, he could have kicked it into his own face, that would have been more fun. Yeah, it would have been. That's the only way it could have been better. And yeah, and then a moment later, we, we got the equaliser, which yeah. meant all their time wasting had been to their own deck. I, I, I was watching on Zoom with my mate Dave, who's a Chelsea fan, on uh, while we were but we were away over between Christmas and New Year and uh, um, yeah he was not impressed <laughs> oh I loved it great great but day one of the way not surprised I think it, was, it, it looked like it could easily happen and then decent January we we drew we won 3-2 at Everton on 2nd of January to, to complete a really good kind of Christmas period yep um, and then won at West Brom in the Cup which yep. was a pretty ordinary game but um, yeah, we kind of turned it around. Will Pace scored a goal in that game, I think, didn't he? Which I think was unusual in as much as he doesn't normally play cup matches, or he had No, but I, th- mm. I think Welbeck may have played the previous one or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And then 3-1 all 4s in a row. Yeah. Um, yeah. Home, to, home to Palace with a late own goal equaliser. Yeah. Then home to Chelsea with Webster's powerful header. Yeah. Which I watched the Everton Cup in, in, in Bridgend, because like, it was uh, we were down to, in Wales that week. And then a one all draw at Leicester with Welbeck scoring. Yeah. Hmm. Decent result again. And then the seven game unbeaten run in the league Continued after we lost to Tottenham in the Cup Which we won't talk about um, We won 2-0 yeah. at Watford Which was uh, another Mopay Mopay's last goal of the season and, uh, one, of, one of the doubles um, completed Yeah we did the season And Brentford being one really of the others good, Yeah, yeah the, two, the other one Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Webster poked in from from memory, but actually tackle or he put in. I think he, he couldn't quite score, and then he tackled the guy, and it went into the net or something. Yeah, that's right. So, mm. And then less said about the next six games, the better. We obviously lost to Manu, which not surprising, although we were unlucky. I think in a lot of ways, got stuffed by Burnley, beaten by Villa in a rather poor game, again two 0 by Villa. Yeah. Uh, lost at Newcastle when we basically didn't turn up for the first twenty minutes, and can boss it for that reason. Oh, lost bad. to Liverpool deservedly. Lost to Tottenham. Pretty much deservedly, two 0 was it? Yeah, both were two 0 Yeah, and so you get to January to, to wait problem. Some of us who uh, had visions of like, people staying doing okay in the Premier League and not necessarily going down with thirty two points, were, were kind of slightly still slightly concerned a little bit. And yes, they were, weren't they? Peter? Other people who <laughs> who, who were completely chilled out and would relaxed. be fine with thirty four at that point. They're thirty one at thirty one at that point, whatever it was, or thirty two. Thirty three, I think we had. We already yeah. had thirty three, I think. Is that right? Or 31? 31, I think. Yeah, it might be 31. Mm. 
were, were more worried. Mm. Someone, awful, someone was going restless, wasn't he? Awful draw with Norwich, <laughs> where we had 31 shots and had, I think, four on target, where we only really tested Cruel once, I think, all game, mm. and that was, a, to be fair, a quite a kind of like reflex one from Beltman that actually yeah. he couldn't do anything else with. Can I just mention this point? I was smoking cigars after Boxing Day. I knew we were going to be fine after that game. Just so, just so. Yeah. And, and so if, then, you're, if you're listening, Andy Bravery, yes, I know I predicted 33 points would be the safety safety margin, and I know that wasn't the case. But I was only two out in the end, just two out. Yeah, but you wouldn't have been happy last game of the season. With no, I wouldn't have been points. happy. No, definitely not. No. And yeah. then at half time that last game of the season, you would not have been happy with 35 points. Yeah. So, and then so we come into the, the, the run in, which was. Obviously, North London is ours. But two weekends in a row, you and I both missed Arsenal away, where we won two one. Yeah. Um, through Trossard and a brilliant goal from Wepu from a, a, a fantastic cutback from Casado making his first league start. One of the goals of the season yeah. contenders, and we made up for missing that, didn't we, by the Tottenham game? But anyway, yeah. yeah. So Casado came in at that point, which is one of the, one of the reasons that we turned it round. Thing we had a lot better more in midfield. Wepu came back, although he was in and out a bit more the last few games. Casado stayed every single one of the last eight last eight. Eight, nine, eight games um, and then yeah next weekend having missed Arsenal away and being really fed up both of being pissed off about that went to Tottenham early kick off contained Kane and Son pretty comprehensively and then yeah 89th minute 89th minute in front of our own fans Trossard gets the winner we almost did give them a goal straight away afterwards because they had a, a guilt-edge chance and how they missed it pretty comprehensively we as well. We do know how to make it difficult for ourselves yeah. but that was a great... I only realised how good a chance it was. I mean, I thought it looked yes. a good chance anyway but I only realised how good a chance it was. I think at the time I thought it might have been offside but then I realised no, it wasn't even close. Um, uh, Trossard, though, to be fair, brilliant finish. Brilliant yeah. finish. And, wasn't yeah, it was... Yeah, and the scenes afterwards. Yeah, it was such a such a great afternoon afterwards. Limbs in the away yeah. and then and out so we, to brewery, and what what a great day out. That what was. an evening that was. Yeah, bit of sunburn. We went we, on another well. We'd have gone there tonight, but we weren't worried about them. Shut at ten o'clock in the Champions League. But I'll get it for time. Yeah, exactly. And so, then, but then, yeah. so then we carried that on to the next home game. Two two nil with Southampton mm. after tw- half or twenty minutes. One nil after like t- two we minutes. Sh- we shouldn't have lost. That we should uh, not. We shouldn't have dropped close. Yeah, mm. I mean like, a slightly dodgy free kick given to them for Ward Prowse because there's a clear foul on Cooper Ray in a build-up before he, would, he then fell their player. I mean, um, get, get the wins against Norwich and hold out for that for that win. We're in Europe. Yeah. Gutter. Anyway, anyway, I digress. So, yeah, so the Saints game was annoying, but the other games around it, the, the, other other games, so the game so afterwards. Yeah, which you went to, obviously, at Wolves. was a yeah. very good day out. Yeah. I measured, from what I've heard, it sounded like a comfortable win, comprehensive, they were pretty poor and very, we, were, we were dominant. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's hard to, hard not to think of this as my favourite game of the season. We go in one little home to Man U at half-time, and you think, <laughs> we've dominated them, we've hammered them, they can't be a bad second half. Worry, worry, yeah. worry. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think most of the Albion fans on the ground were like that. You know, we've been in half-time one up so, so many, many times. times. Yeah. And the, the other team turn it around second half, and then yeah. 15 minutes later we're four up, and it's... Yeah, it's, it's just heaven. I think I was just watching that, looking at the scorecard every, a scoreboard every like ton of minutes, was going like, I can't. This is really true. It's like, and you've got that stat about Cristiano Ronaldo, who's famously got books and got, got yeah. shaking his head because he, compared with, with Tomley, he should have should have got books if, if you compare the two scenarios. 
with Tomlin should have got booked four or five times in a row, didn't, and then Ronaldo did one yeah. indiscretion and got booked. So there's that that whole thing. Then there's a later. Point I, I'm not sure he was shaking his head because he got booked, though. It, to be fair, at the uh, yeah, just after no, the no. Goal. I think at that moment he was, yeah, but later but, he yeah. was standing there, with hands on hips, shaking his head with a, a rueful smile. And I think that was my favourite moment of the whole yeah. afternoon. Now you've got one of the players that could claim to be one of the well, the greatest of all time, one of the greatest of all time, definitely. Um, in a team that's got thrashed 4-0 by us and that's not happened outside of I think is it Liverpool and Atletico yeah. and Barca or something are the only teams there's three teams I think that, yeah. that, um, that he's not scored against where there's been a four goal margin or something like that there's some kind of snap and how delicious was that brilliant it's, it's well overdue having, wasn't it having gone to school in North London the time where Manu story hunters were like kind of right so all, the, right, all, all the kids at school Manu fans are well, obviously a lot of Arsenal and Tottenham and a bit of like, one or two West Ham and there was a, a lot randomly an Oxford fan as well oh, right. and me yeah. and a few Barnet fans but yeah there were quite a lot of Manu fans as well and so that one's for yeah. you Peter I know if you told me in 93 when I was like secondary school when all these Manu fans that we then end up beating them 4-0 right. about 30 years just under 30 years so later that, that one is for you in 1993 yeah. at school when it's for all the other Albion fans in 1983 yeah. in that cup replay which happened to be a 4-0 scoreline so oh, yeah, we, just, we yeah. still owe Man United for all of the shitty luck we yeah, have with decisions thing, was, if anything we deserve more we hit the post yeah. they yeah. hit the post for us but I mean McAllister probably should have got there ahead Welbeck got came very close at the end yeah. was, and in general you know, it just looked like we were just Sanchez so to be fair made a couple of good saves but it was, it was until 4-0 that he made those saves yeah. it was already 4-0 at that point Delicious. and I mean it was it was one of those things where you just sit there and it, football does not get any better than this it's like I don't understand where we go from this point it was a proper festival party yeah. atmosphere wasn't it everyone was just buzzing they knew it was something special because we've not done that before against a Man United or anything no we, like we've that. won by, we've got score four goals in the top flight and we've beaten top teams but we've not combined the two we've not stuffed the exactly. top team yet. Yeah. and it was just a great day it was yeah. a nice nice weather although as the BBC coming. told us this week Man United are rubbish so you know exactly yeah. it's always, always been about that I don't right understand it? why someone t- yeah, criticised the BBC for telling the truth it's yeah. like just be honest well then, then came the worst moment of the season which is our second in a row occasion of failing to beat Leeds which I'm sure is to your chagrin completely Peter. Uh, I mean, to be honest, that weekend it wasn't really my main focus. No, that was the stag weekend. Yeah. So you, we just went out and had a couple of small glasses. A couple of, of sherry, sh- was yeah, it? Uh, I think it was something like sweet that. Sweet sherry. <laughs> <laughs> nothing more, nothing less. Um, a couple of bats. <laughs> so we weren't there with all the all the wig bound Albion fans going up to Ellen Road or Bell End Road, as I call it. And um, we, you know, we, we won it up. Should have been four or five nil up at half time by all accounts. Yeah. Ended and up. They even then having lost in the second. I've been poor in second half. Welbeck, Mr. Sitter. Yeah. And Ted Lasso turned it around for them in the second half, but he couldn't. Yeah, they got the equaliser. In the end, they did survive, but not because of that result. We, we can no. console ourselves with the fact that made no difference at all to league survival. It was all about the fact that Burnley lost Leeds one on the final game of the season. So, and we can tell us that Burnley went down as yeah, well. Exactly. I mean, and also by the fact, as that in the, the words of uh, Will from the from the Inbetweeners, it's like uh, when they're going in the film, they're going to, I think they're on tour or whatever, and they're. This is like Burnley fans being loud and shout oh, yeah. abusive yeah. on the on the coach, and he's like, "When people ask if I like football, I say yes, yes I do, but not Burnley. Burnley can fuck off, <laughs> and they have. They have, they have indeed, and they may they not have. be back for a while. No, I think judging oh, by their, they're going to lose quite a lot of their, their key players. Their, their board has got no interest in investing, and well, they're going to be contract. stealing." Yeah. 
Say Tchaikovsky or Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky is definitely out of contract. <laughs> Tchaikovsky is. Um, McNeil will probably Hope get will be off. Hope will be off. Um, yeah. Probably Cornet will be off. Things off back to his loan deal is ending. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, that's right, yeah. His famous loan deal that isn't a loan deal. Um, Dale Stevens might even leave. He might, no, he's out of contract. <laughs> yeah. Ashley Barnes, you know. We can get him back, we can get him back. Um, but if that was lost the weekend. They've lost words, yeah. Lots of people have. Um, but no, we... <laughs> I knew I was lining up. <laughs> Final weekend of the season, of course, is against another of our favourite Clarendon and Blue sides. We'd like all the teams of Clarendon and Blue, don't we, really? Burnley, they're, they're Aston Villa, West Ham, They're in my top three Clarendon and Blue Premier League teams for this season. <laughs> that you dislike. <laughs> I actually don't have an issue with West Ham, to be honest. I've no, of, I do. I've, 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 yeah, I've, I've not really seen that much of, it, of the issues every, there. Every, every away game I've gone to, there's been uh, some unpleasantness yeah. of one sort or another somewhere so I'm absolutely delighted that we finished the season in style coming from behind to win 3-1 thoroughly uh, deserved I think the first half we weren't great in that match first half we were poor West Ham I think we said like, the, the last was poor, wasn't it? We, were, we were poor West Ham were better but didn't really create the thing second half West Ham were poor we were a lot better and created loads Yeah. and actually 3-1 again flattered them in the end yeah. Welbeck missed two good, very good chances before he scored so there again, were other we ones we could easily have won four or five the season, we could have yeah. could have done more and I still think it was a foul on Dunk their goal yeah we could have done more in, in defeat in victory or in draws yeah. we could have done more it's, it's a recurring we've also thing. drawn a lot of games late it's on true, that's true that's yeah. true no no but it shows there's, there's so much potential if, if, we've got the same, if I was off a ninth again next season given the amount of money that the yeah, likes of Newcastle and Villa and that sort of team never to my bounce yeah. yeah, I'll take I, it I'd take it top half has got the same thing has got to be the target for next yeah. season I'd even take 11 for 12 probably to yeah we, we want Europe and I'm sure Tony Bloom's thinking hmm, could get Europe but in reality I think all of us him included would say we would take yeah. the same next season I've, I've already agreed with Fee that if we get played Dynamite Tbilisi away then I'll, we'll, we'll take a trip to, she I'll wants to go to Georgia go. she wants to do a trip to Tbilisi totally so, going uh, to Georgia <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. We're having a trip to Dynamo to Blease the away. Georgia on your mind, have you, Peter? Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, so that that was the season. We ended up on 51 points. That was the season that was. It was the season that was. Great. A bit of radio reference for you audio fans out there. Um, but it's, you know, 51 points, brilliant that total. That was the whatever number of weeks it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you've mentioned there, Basumi, obviously the first half in that game against West Ham, he was poor, we were poor. Yeah. And he was subbed off and Morpé came on. But Basuma, I think he apparently been under the weather, yeah. to be fair. However, it's a bit of a shame if that ends up, as it probably will be, being his last game. Because last season, he was our player of the season. Player of the season, I vote for this season coming up in just a moment. But um, He was all Brighton's best player of the season last season. It was just a ridiculous Leeds yeah. hijacking for some... Oh, I'm ignoring I'm that. I'm still not quite sure why they hijacked the vote, but what the point was. Just to show how much they loved him or whatever. I, I just disregard that play, but I'm talking about the Brighton oh, yeah, no, one. Yeah. Was, the only was one that, only one that the players matter. The only one that matters, yeah. That's the one the players really look out for, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it, you guys? Um, the last None of players, players, or fans, <laughs> players. It's like only the small proportion of people listen to the one podcast. Very quickly on, on Basuma, so he's probably likely to go. There's a lot of talk about a lot of heat being around Kukurea. So there's, there's some serious interest coming in from big, big clubs at the moment. That's just on this side of the... Uh, uh, of the channel so to speak I don't know if it's going to come in from abroad as well um, we're, hopefully we want to keep Kukurea for the time being we don't want that to happen we, we probably would all resign ourselves and be quite happy to to see the scenario where Basuma goes with our blessing 
this season, well, having served us well. There's two, as far as I see it, there's two positive uh, outcomes for this summer. Either Bethune signs a new contract, which seems very unlikely at the moment, he'd have surely done it by now. If he'd have taken the pay rise that surely he, yeah. surely he'd have got, yeah. or or um, yeah. or he or he goes for a decent fee. Yeah, exactly. There's no, I don't. There's no point keeping for another season and losing on a free transfer. Either way around, we'd, we'd be happy, wouldn't we? Yes, yes, yep. Um, so we'll, we'll see how um, we'll see how that goes. Peter's being intervened with. <laughs> that just sounds so wrong. <laughs> I know, that's why I said Funny Chelsea fans turning <laughs> up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Oh dear, dear. Anyway, we've, we've already had a, had a go about Chelsea, and we know we've already... Yeah, they can't beat us in the Premier League. Uh, and then Liverpool can't beat Chelsea, actually. But anyway, anyway, we've got... Um, so, back, digression well, um, the at the end. So, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, cup finals, that's true. But not not in normal time. Anyway, <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, so that rounds it up pretty much for the season. The Sumer probably will go, I think. If we can get a reasonable fee from... I mean, he's been a brilliant signing. We've goes to our blessing. Yeah, exactly. He's, and we can reinvest. He has gone from, like, well, he signed him for 15 million. He was in and out of it under Hughes and initially under Potter as well. But yeah. since lockdown, really, yeah. he's been our best player by a distance overall, I'd say, probably. He's been yeah. superb. And, I mean, if, if all things were equal, he'd probably go for, like, 50, 60 million. Whether we'll get close to that with the contract situation and all that, I don't think we probably will, but... I mean, I think, yeah, if all things are equal, he'd go for more than White, I reckon. He's a better player than Ben White. Yeah. Well, player of the season for 2021-22 season. Have you got a podcast of the season? Have we got what? Podcast of the season, do you say? Uh, well, I don't know. I can't think of any podcasts that I like, really. That Brian Rock one's awful. I um, meant podcaster rather than... Oh, podcaster. I think it's got to be, it's got to be Peter. <laughs> Someone's playing some annoying music <laughs> in the background of a Chelsea variety. Peter's Chelsea friend has turned up in the background. Just to explain what that is. Right, here we go. He's Pla- not my friend, he's my opponent. <laughs> <laughs> Player of the season, right. So we've had loads and loads of votes, tons of them in. We've got, we've got a voting system where you, you pick your top three, three points, two points, one point. For your, for like your, Eurovision. For your three in order, yeah. Nil point. So we've had an overwhelming response, which has been brilliant. Just a few comments from those that we've had. That he was literally adding enough as we went along. <laughs> um... Nick, Nick's voted for Kukureya, Veltman and then Morpay, but he said an honourable mention to Danny Welbeck and to Grosh. Uh, we've had um interesting Wedge, friend of the show. He's gone for Kukureya, Sanchez and Veltman, and he said really tough between Sanchez and Veltman, but for me, for his quick and... Ad- uh, his quick adjustment to the Premier League, for his commitment, his humility, his flair, his energy, his reliability, his defensive strength, his attacking intent, as a, t- uh, as a team man, as someone who is clearly grounded and has a massive emotional bond with the squad, the club and the fans, head and shoulders above for me. All I want for a team is Kukureyas, he says. So that's from Wedge. We've also had uh, comments from... Steve Ferris, friend of the show, he's a referee, of course, as well. You might remember him being on. He's gone Cucurella, then Veltman and Morpay. He said Cucurella just for the massive hair, also one hell of a player. Um, he's gone Veltman, best 900,000k we ever spent. 900,000k? That's a lot of money. Like 900 million. 900k. Yes, 900k we've ever spent. 900,000k is like, I don't know what you're That's me, not Steve. Steve did put the right details down. 
best 900k we've ever spent and has shown um, the bidding of 63 million <laughs> worth significantly higher than the world record Peter, <laughs> will you stop interrupting we're trying to finish this podcast right, bidding off uh, 63 million worth of defenders we've conceded less goals which is a good point and three his choice of Neil Morpay bit patchy latterly but crucial goals and some top shithousery changed the game against West Ham this is the, the earlier game obviously and reminded the homophobes what the score was oh sorry no that's the second game second game yeah, yeah. he scored the equaliser of the first game of course is that too he changed the game no no yes I know uh, special mention also to Pascal for his garage turns and despite calls from the bedwetters showed his absolute class um Aside from that, we've had a load of other responses. The interesting one is Jack, one of the only people not to pick Cucurella as his first choice. He went Basuma, Duncan Cucurella. He said if Basuma was obviously staying and had a bigger hair, he'd be everyone's number one. Uh, he said slightly no, um, yeah, it's, 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 well, I, I don't agree with that at all. I don't think Basuma's paid enough or consistently enough this year to be even close to number one. True, but Jack did say he's been out of the stratosphere at times this season, which is also true, to be fair. Not as much as last season, I'd say, and, and I, I I don't think he, his form has been patchy in a couple of spells whereas Kukurea and Veltman are the two to, for me who've been consistently good even in our bad of yeah, worst patches whereas Basuma's form drops significantly yeah. at one point yeah there is that. There is that. Tony Bowden says Kukurea, Veltman, and then Morpé. We would not have finished where we did without his goals. He also said, "I want to nominate Alzate for player I would have liked to have seen more of, if that's a category." Uh, to which Chris Jonas, another Seagulls of London member, said, uh, "Sarmiento yeah, as well, absolutely." And I, I'd go along with that too. Tony Brown, friend of the show, Brighton and Chelsea fan, explain that one if you will, Tony. Kukurea, Veltman, and Basuma. Uh, Jackie's gone. Kukurea, Veltman, and Grosh. Player I'd like to have seen more consistently is March. Pete Richardson went Kukurea, Dunk and Sanchez. And fourth is Morpé for his key goals. And an honourable uh, honorable mention. Fourth is nothing. <laughs> it's nowhere. Uh, Jack Janet, uh, other half of Chris, said Kukurea, Veltman and Basuma. Prior to injury, I think the modder would have been in the, in the running for second or third place. So I nominate him for the player I would have liked to see more of. Um, then there's a number of other votes from Seagulls Over London members just to mention Duncan Rouse friend of the show Kukurea Trossard and then Veltman he's gone my favourites for the season um, but Grosh would have been a strong contender if he'd shown his recent form all season and well, it's a general view that he's been put further forward uh, you know, recently hasn't he and, he and it seems to thrive on it whereas when before he was like much more much deeper in midfield and having to do a lot more work as well as kind of like you know, he's, he's actually yeah. been, they've found the right position for him recently. Yeah, and I really hope he signs a new deal now because he's looked superb recently. Yeah, I do too. That finish on his, on his left foot. Yeah. So his wrong foot on Salah. I mean, it was a brilliant move anyway on last Sunday, but that, that finish on his left foot was brilliant. So yeah, I mean, from absolutely true. And, and Rich, friend of the show, he's got in touch to say he really enjoyed the West Ham episode at the end of the season. Best ever, he said so far, which is brilliant. He liked the, the pre-match, the post-match I mean, and the, the during match. Been crap, so yeah, the rest have been awful, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's given us his free... actually adequate, whereas the rest <laughs> <have been> poor. <laughs> <laughs> Rich has gone Kukurea, Melbourne in the dunk. So the final scores then for our player of the season. I think it's already obvious from the snippets that I've plucked out who's going to be... Yeah, Connolly's top. Here is the voting then. So, so we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eleven people have had votes. One of them, and I, I'm looking at you, Wilt, uh, as we call him, uh, Vinny, uh, Peter Ward has got one vote for one point. 
11, no, 11 people were picked, yeah. Oh, I felt Including like Peter Ward, yeah. I felt like yeah. Peter Ward's picked? Yeah, he's been picked, yeah. He's, he's, he's still... Oh, have been picked. Have been oh. picked, yeah. I thought you meant that we were picked. I thought, I'm sure there's been a lot more people who've like, commented than that. No, 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 no. That's, no, loads and loads of people have commented. Yeah. But, Millions. Uh, basically, three points for the first choice, two for have second, any of our, third. Um, Philippines fans? I don't think I have, no. <laughs> I don't think I have. Three points for your first choices, two for your yeah. second, one for your thirds, and the points totals in general have gone in this ascending order. Peter Ward with one, Pascal Grosch with one. To be drawn with Peter Ward, commendable. He should be honoured. The number one is Pascal Grosch. Mordo got three, and that's just from one vote, you'll notice from what we read out earlier. More pay five points, Sanchez eight, including a point from me. Um, Donkey eight, Biss nine, Ali McAllister, McAllister 14. And then we come to the top three. An honourable mention to Ali Mack, actually. had a good season in the end. When is he Num- coming back? Yeah. Number three is the Andro Trossard Ooh. with 30 points. In number... I'm just two, taking his hand now. Number two position. <laughs> Second position is... Well, probably the, one of the best bargains of all time. What a great player. It's Mr. Veltman with well done. 54 well done, Joel, as they get called. <laughs> and in first place, by a matter of a mere, I think it's 72 points, at the top of the charts, a player who all the big clubs are looking at, or I'm looking at you in the background, Mr. Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea are, are looking at him. It is, of course, Mark Kukarea with 126 well done, points of a vote. <laughs> And what a player he's been in his debut season as well to have been as good as he is. I think he's, he's been superb, yeah. No, yeah. absolutely no question. He was, he was clearly player of the year in I think every category, including the players, which is always good as well. You get, yeah. you got the players one as well. So, yeah. well done, Mark. He is, uh, Brilliant. he's been superb and he likes 15, the wigs as well, apparently. 15 million pounds, I think we've cost. Yeah. It's like, I mean. And there's talk of 50 yeah. mil plus. Even there? the ridiculous ones are talking about 30. Yeah. And yeah. we're not going to take any. We've got a four year veteran contract. Yeah. We're not taking anything under 50, I reckon. Yeah. If Chilwell can go for 50, then. Uh, and Mendy and players like Peter that. Peter says looking over his shoulder. <laughs> and yeah. well, City pay for it. Start 50 million with fullbacks, don't they? Yeah. But if they're interested. Yeah. They start, their their fullbacks all cost 50 million minimum, don't yeah. they? Indeed. So time is moving on. We've got our bodies turned up. So we've got to socialise now. We might do a little bit later post Champions oh, League. got to socialise. It's like some sort of like hardship. It's the champion, yeah, it's awful. It's awful. I, I struggle, you know. Yeah. Uh, the Champions League, if it's got any any way of living up to the National League Premier semi-final that, that happened today, then I'll be very glad. We're looking forward. Well, to I hope that. they're getting it into the players. <laughs> yeah. They've got to like compete with Grim. Yeah. Yeah. And we are indeed going down now. So we're going to round off this episode now. We might come back with an epilogue, but if not, we'll sign out in the usual way, Peter. We hate Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> we'll do that later. Uh, so, Peter, over to you to sign us out. Stand or fall. Up the Albion. And so, we imbibed ourselves of further drinks. We had some lovely food. Chicken tikka pies. Oh, you've got to love them. And we watched the match. And the match finished 1-0 to Real Madrid. Congratulations to them. It wasn't the most remarkable of games. Um, Real scored from their only shot on goal. Liverpool had the best of it by far, particularly in the attacking third of the field. Um, but Courtois was the man of the match. And two saves in particular um, probably were the uh, the telling difference between the sides along Real's goal of course um, one particular save by Courtois from those two uh, from Mane um, was really an excellent save and really made a difference to them so they go on to 14 wins um, which is the double tally of the next nearest club which is Milan with seven Liverpool for their part remain on six which in, it t- in turn is double the next of an English club 
with three, Manchester United. But Real Madrid, with their 14th title, go marching on. They just really cannot stop winning this, can they? Eight successive finals have been won by Real Madrid. Incredible stuff. Anyway, as I sit here talking on the Monday, I've got to quickly sum up what else happened at the weekend and then go on to a little bit of a rant about what else happened in Paris. So what else happened at the weekend in terms of football? We had the second of the National League Premier Division um, semi-finals. Remember, they had that spectacular Wrexham-Grimsby game we were talking about earlier, which finished Wrexham 4, Grimsby 5. Um, incredible. Uh, the second one was Solihull Moors against Chesterfield. And for the first time out of the four games to decide the finalists, it was the home team that prevailed. Solihull Moors winning 3-1. So they go into Sunday's final uh, of this coming weekend against Grimsby Town, who won, of course, that other match. Meantime, in the Nash, uh, that's the National League. In the EFL, League Two came to its conclusion with a game I think we've already alluded to the result, but just to sum up and to confirm, that did finish Port Vale 3, Mansfield 0. A very proactive, ambitious and um, forward-thinking club now, being very well run by all accounts in recent times after some... Sometimes pretty much in the doldrums. Congratulations to Port Vale, whose manager, Daryl Clark, was quite emotional and dedicated the win to his daughter, who sadly passed away a few months ago. So an emotional moment for him. Congratulations to him and to Port Vale. Um, and we'll see how they do in League One next season. Um, that's pretty much that. Just going back then to the Champions League. The, the game itself was of no particular note, but what happened at the stadium, both before and after the game, was something else that really was of note and not for good reasons. We've had, of course, in the 80s, some serious incidents. Heysel, Hillsborough, we know what's happened with that. And so, given the back, backdrop to that, to have Liverpool fans going to a Champions League final in Paris and to have them congested, bottlenecked, cajoled, pepper sprayed and basically abused by the French police and then... To have the blame attached to them in terms of, in this case, just turning up late to the game um, has some rather unpleasant undertones. By all accounts, there were some Hillsborough survivors in amongst the crowd attending the match or trying to attend the match, and they were being held up for some time. This is all disturbing, and it's disturbing because it paints Liverpool in a bad light. When, when Liverpool fans, by all the accounts I've heard from anywhere, were pretty blameless in what happened. Essentially what happened was according to countless reports, including from a number of credible journalists, amongst them Carvey Solical, who did a five-minute report post-match on what had happened. He was describing how the fans were signposted and then kettled through a certain area, an underpass by a bridge. Um, through a certain area, they were checked for tickets at least on one occasion, I believe on at least two occasions, before they got up into an elevated area above that uh, that area which was outside the ground and was just outside the turnstiles. When all those fans got into that area and others were joining in behind, they were unable to get through the gates. Turnstiles Y and Z were the only two turnstiles that were supposedly open for access for Liverpool fans. Not sure why they didn't have more available. There were more turnstiles there, apparently. Anyway, regardless of that, they weren't letting anybody through, it seemed. Hardly anybody was getting through. The, there were accusations by the, um, the stadium authorities that there were a number of counterfeit tickets. This was not substantiated. Nobody, none of the journalists who were on hand, none of the eyewitnesses could say that they had heard of any fake tickets 
The only one example I can think of um, that I've seen reports of was a ticket that was given um, by Andrew Robertson, the, the fullback for Liverpool, to a friend of his, which was a sanctioned thing to do. Um, that ticket was given to him to do so by the club, which, of course, originally came through UEFA. And at the turnstiles, that ticket was apparently a counterfeit, according to the stadium people. They didn't know what they were doing. That clearly isn't a counterfeit ticket. How the hell could it be? And if it was, why? Um, the French authorities in this matter, and UEFA, and the French police, have collectively been a shambles and a disgrace. They have coloured the game in a bad light after what happened on Saturday. Essentially, they've, um, they've they were not letting Liverpool fans in, regardless of whether they had valid tickets or not. And there was a countless number of fans who were claiming they had... To, you could see they had genuine tickets from the way they were talking about it, where they bought them from, etc. They weren't being allowed in. They couldn't move back. There was a crush developing because people were being moved around. They were being moved around, not least, because... Some of the police came out through a gate, were very aggressive and heavy-handed. There was one vis visual image of a policeman punching a fan who was simply remonstrating at being pushed back and about the crush that was going on around them. Nothing more than that. And he was assaulted by the police. The fans were tear-gassed on more than one occasion. There was a huge number of examples of pepper spraying by the police as well, including a fan who was trying to get in with a genuine ticket and was getting it swiped and was pepper sprayed regardless of that showing as a, as a genuine ticket. That's on film somewhere. Carvis Olicol, as I said, the Sky, the prominent Sky chief senior reporter for Sky Sports News in matters related to football. He was there. He was at the game, at the ground, and he witnessed what was going on. There's a BBC reporter who was on this morning, Monday, Monday morning, on TV, talking about a similar experience. Liverpool fans were remarkably restrained. They weren't acting in a disorderly way in any way, shape or form, and yet they were being tear-gassed, pepper-sprayed um, and assaulted, essentially, in various ways by the police, simply because... They couldn't cope, and the, the, the disorganisation by the authorities, by both the French authorities and by UEFA, was simply inadequate. It was shambolic, in fact. And to that end, Liverpool fans were in distress. Some of these people, as I mentioned, were Hillsborough survivors. And regardless of that, no fans, whether it's the elderly, women and children, disabled fans, all of whom were present in amongst these crowds, and who were all getting streaming eyes from, from pepper spraying, um, it's a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace and should never happen. Passers-by just outside that area were also being affected, who weren't even Liverpool fans, weren't even going to the game necessarily. That is a disgrace. And all of the reports are suggesting that Liverpool fans arrive late. This is a blatant lie. All accounts I've heard is that Liverpool fans were arriving at least two to two and a half hours before kick-off. That's not late, is it? And some of them were there three, three and a half hours early. They still couldn't get in. In a number of cases, they missed the game. That is ridiculous. It's simply ridiculous. Now, if those fans weren't arriving late and they, they had valid tickets, why were they unable to get into the ground? Now, what's happened is, after initially blaming the fans, the authorities have then gone on to say, actually, there was a massive, in fact, an industrial scale, to quote the French minister, sports minister, an industrial scale of fraudulence going on with regard to ticketing, either on phones or paper tickets, don't know which, but either way around, industrial scale fraud, claiming that 70%, that's 7-0, 70% 70 
of the tickets being produced on phones or in paper form were fraudulent. How can that be possible? I've got friends that go to major events like this and they've said that's ridiculous. It's unrealistic to say that that number of fraudulent tickets would have been present. It's, uh, it just seems farcical. Anyway, that's what they were saying was the case. Well, if, if people like Andy Robertson's friend are getting turned away with what must be genuine tickets, 100% nailed on guaranteed, how many more cases were like that where fans were being turned away when they had genuine tickets? And adding to these fictitious numbers that the sports ministry and the French sports minister and the interior minister have made up to, well, to pass the blame, to pass the buck, to scapegoat, it wasn't their fault. They weren't badly organised. The police weren't heavy-handed more than necessary. That's what they, the picture is they're trying to paint. And yet, that is exactly what the case was. The, the police, we already know, in, in all of France, Italy and Spain, all three of those nations, they have a bad reputation for the heavy-handedness of their policing. It's panicky, it's full-on, it's over-the-top, it's indiscriminatory in terms of the violence with battening and spraying and... Well, in, the, in one case, as I said, punching of, of supporters to try and gain crowd control. They have a major problem with hooliganism in France, as manifested also this weekend with Saint-Étienne, who've just got relegated for the first time in 20 years. They had a relegation promotion playoff uh, against rivals from the division below. <clears throat> they lost, I think they drew at home, lost on aggregate, something like that. Fans invaded the pitch in large numbers and fired fireworks horizontally at the players on a large scale. There's been incidents of, of fans, children, women and children and players all being assaulted on a number of occasions in France. They have an issue with hooliganism there. But what they've done, those French police, is they've taken this edgy, over-the-top, heavy-handed approach with supporters who have done absolutely nothing wrong. They've turned up in plenty of time. Whether or not they've had drinks is neither here nor there because they behaved fine. They've behaved with what has been described as remarkable constraint. And yet they have been pepper sprayed. Why did this happen? It was the crush. They were, they were, they were worrying about the numbers. Well, they should have controlled those numbers. And if anyone didn't have um, valid tickets, why were they allowed through into that later stage just outside the main turnstiles? Why weren't they funneled out at the earlier point, at the earlier ticket checking area? That's the question. What has also been suggested is that this issue was only going on at the Liverpool end. They are trying to imply that the English were the, were the, uh, were the um, culprits in all this. Why did they turn up late? Why didn't they have tick the correct tickets? And why was the disorder only at one end? Well, it wasn't. This is another misrepresentation. Again, going back to Carve Solical, he's, he's an excellent journalist. He, he's a man with um, very reasonable and measured approaches to all the subjects that he deals with he's um he's an articulate guy and he's you know he's he's not prone to any kind of exaggeration and he's saying he'd been at both ends he'd seen what had happened at the Liverpool end but he'd also been around the other side and he'd seen what had happened at the Madrid end where the 20,000 Madrid fans tickets were uh, to, to be accessed and in both cases what had happened was that gangs of French youths turned up trying to get over the barriers in both those areas. They were trying to scale the gates, in some cases succeeding. There were apparently a lot of successes in the uh, Madrid end of the, of the pitch, uh, of the ground, in this regard. And yet they were able to do so. And the pepper spraying may have been in reaction partly to that, but what, what happened was absolutely out of order. Fans at both ends of the ground were harmed by the actions of the police. 
there was a lot of trauma involved for a lot of supporters. That is a disgrace. That should not be happening. And I'm not pretending that the English are squeaky clean. Look what happened at Wembley. The, the behaviour of the supporters, so-called supporters in that instance, turning up on, a, on an epic scale and all just trying to storm in is a disgrace. Disorderly behaviour, lawless behaviour is not to be condoned. But there is blame also to be applied to the authorities for not having stringent, more stringent measures to stop fans from getting in. So we're not, we're not blameless in this, but the French have a bad reputation for this disorder um, in terms of the organisation. Also, the French police for their heavy hand in this. Also, UEFA for cocking stuff up. They cocked up the Europa League final. They had the, the authorities there weren't organised well enough. The stadium didn't have any anywhere near adequate enough numbers of food and drink options. Um, fans were standing around in 30 degree heat. They couldn't get water. That's not acceptable for a major event. This isn't a humanitarian crisis. It's a major sporting event in a first world country. Why the hell is that happening? And also, why were they held in so long after the game as well? Absolute disgrace. So, so UEFA has form. That's just two weeks ago or whatever it is. You know, this, this is happening far too often. We've seen other tragic, more tragic scenarios as well, such as Cameroon in the AFCON. But nonetheless, keeping it with the Western European theme, they're, they're not organised well enough. And it's as simple as that. And they're, they're scapegoating to blame it on Liverpool fans. Liverpool fans, as far as I can see, did nothing wrong. There's one fan trying to get in. He's getting sprayed in the face with a valid ticket as he's trying to go up to the turnstile. How is that acceptable behaviour, let alone the disgrace that's happened since, which is on Monday morning, the authorities got together to analyse what had happened and to come to some conclusions. Those authorities comprised the French ministry, the French authorities, including the police, UEFA. Where was the representation from any journalists slash eyewitnesses in general slash supporters who have had difficulties, genuine supporters? Where was the representation from them? They've all come to the conclusion that fans arrived late and that there was loads of fraud going on, when actually the reality is that that is simply a lie on both counts, a simple lie. But nobody can argue about that because they all got together and decided themselves. They're going to misrepresent this. They're going to avoid blame. They're going to evade blame, on, as they always do. UEFA, I've been, as you know, probably know if you're listening to this regularly, I've been a, uh, a staunch critic of UEFA, as I have with FIFA as well. And this does not help, does it? It just, it just tries to paint English football fans and Liverpool football fans in particular in a bad light. There's history here. And the history of what happened before with Hillsborough was a gross misrepresentation and gross negligence, as far as I'm concerned, by people that are supposed to be looking after the interests of the public during a major sporting event. They failed to do so. Thankfully, in this case, nobody appears to have been seriously harmed. However, that wasn't by chance. That wasn't by design. That's by chance. And yes, the more modern stadium is less likely to cause problems than a crumbling wreck such as Hillsborough or Heysel. However, nonetheless, that's not good enough. It's simply not good enough. It's a disgrace and they need to be held accountable for this because people could have been harmed. And what also happened, by the way, after the game, when fans were coming out of the grounds, this is at the Stade de France, which is in Saint-Denis, which is 
one of the rougher areas of Paris, and Paris is a rough city at its roughest, it has to be said. We'd already seen lots of examples of French youths and gangs turning up trying to get into the grounds. What happens afterwards? Well, French youths and gangs uh, preyed on all of the supporters coming out of the grounds. The tourists, the Liverpool fans, the Madrid fans. In both cases, those fans were set upon. They were mugged, they were robbed, and they were by multiple gangs. Well, this was happening on a widespread level. You talk about industrial-scale fraud. No, no, no. Let's talk about industrial-scale disorder by local youths, not properly prevented from doing so by the police. That's the one damn job the police should be doing because there was no disorder amongst the, the genuine football fans. They should have been stopping disorderly local youths from attacking people attending a major tournament in a first world country. Why is that not able to happen? Well, they, they tried to do something about it to an extent. They pepper sprayed or tried to pepper spray them. But what did they really do? They pepper sprayed more of the football fans themselves, the victims of the muggings after the game, some of whom would have been pepper sprayed before getting into the ground in the first place, if they were lucky enough to, to be able to get into the ground. They were attacked again. There was more batoning, I'm hearing reports of. And... The police didn't do enough. Simple as that. It's an absolute disgrace. Anyway, that's really coloured the, uh, in a bad way, the, the events on Saturday, which should have been a showpiece occasion. It's Europe's golden jewel event. And, well, it's turned into a bit of a fast really, hasn't it? And I don't know what the fallout will be in the longer term over this. But what I do know for one thing for sure, there's going to be misrepresentation of what's happened. And that is an absolute disgrace. So anyway, that's that. So, moving back to happier subjects, or at least vaguely happier, the Albion. One or two more bits of news. First of all, it seems that agreement may be close to being made between the Albion and Newcastle United over the departure and move to Newcastle of our sporting director, Dan Ashworth, who's been serving his notice on gardening leave. The club not letting him come back towards the, club, um, towards the premises. He's got to stay out on gardening leave. Um, but Newcastle weren't able to appoint him because agreements for compensation hadn't been reached. Rumours of five to six million being the figure that Albion may be wanted. There are rumours now going around on certain social media outlets that agreement is close with suggestions of a £3 million figure. I have no idea if any of this is true or accurate, but it does seem that there is an agreement moving towards conclusion. OK, in one sense, I'm quite happy with that, that we could finally get an agreement and get some compensation. On the other hand, though, um, I don't really want Newcastle to get them any earlier than we, uh, than we absolutely need to. But... We'll see. We'll see how that goes. That's one bit of news. Um, another bit of news is that Kukarea, our player of the season, and Albion's player of the season, has voted for by us at Brighton Rock, by the fans in general, for their fans' vote, and by the players. He's a fantastic player. He's only had his first season with us. He's hit the ground running. He's got hair all over the place. He's absolutely magnificent. What a player he's been. But he is only in his first season, just finished his first season. And unfortunately, there are rumours abounding now that he may possibly be on his way already because there is serious interest reported or rumoured from some of the big boys, Tottenham, Chelsea, and probably most crushingly, Manchester City. If any or all of those rumours are true, it does seem if the price that is right that he may be off. But what would that price be? Suggestions of £30 million. It seems unlikely to be so low. More likely, 
I think we'll be looking at doubling that or thereabouts to get a figure that would be suitable for Albion to lose such an asset so soon. He's not part of the succession plan yet. He's supposed to be with us two to three years. That will be the ideal scenario, as was the case with Basuma, who will probably be off this summer. Cuckoo's not the one we want to lose at this stage. We probably need some backup for him as it is, but if we need to replace him, that's going to be a complication. But we'll see how things pan out over the summer. We will be having some podcasts during the summer, so we will give you some updates as and when we hear some more information. But that's one bit of Albion news as well. And the other bit is, also related to Kukurea, uh, the Player of the Season vote. We announced the results for Player of the Season. Don't panic, we've got them right. But we have forgotten to add some other details and information. Um, So we've had some other votes put in, which we hadn't accounted for. It hasn't affected the overall totals, but we do need to sum up and update the final scoring. So here we go. So Kevin Markwick, friend of the show, from the Picture House in Cockfield, in, in um, Picture House in Uckfield, said, Kukurea, Dunk Webster, I like this solid attacking defence we have. Scott McCarthy said, Hi Russ, I suspect we all know who is winning, who the winner is here, but I'll go Kukurea, Grosh, that losing run came with him out of the team, and Veltman at number three. Brett's gone, Kukurea, Veltman and Morpe, just for the limbs. <laughs> um, Nick Schapanik, friend of the show, he's gone with Kukurelia as his first choice, Veltman is his second, and McAllister is his third. He said Ali Mack is the unsung hero of the season, I think. So versatile. Some of the tackles he made in the Basuma role in the second half against West Ham were fearsome. I agree with you, Nick. I think he's he's been excellent. He is an unsung hero, and I am on record as being a big fan of his. And I think he's got a lot more to show as well. I think he's still growing into the roles, and I think he's getting better as the seasons go by, I think. Uh, we've got a lot more to look forward to with him. The Dogma Boys, who we had on, of course, as well. Um, they've gone with the following. Parker has gone Veltman, Dunk, and Tony Bloom as the third choice. Um, James went Veltman, Kukurea, and then Dunk. And Rich went with Kukurea, Tross, and then Biss. So thank you to the Dogma Boys. Um, we also had a late entry from Raymond the Gent, who went with Kukurea as his first choice, Trossard as his second, and Sanchez as his third. He also added a, a young player of the year as Caicedo. A number of people also mentioned people they wish they'd seen more of for various reasons, either to do with injuries or being out on loan earlier in the season or just being introduced a bit late. And, and those those names really included Mwepu, Caicedo and Sarmiento as the main ones but um, we'll we'll see um we'll see how it goes next season certainly so here's the final totals anyway so with the updated information this is the full list in ascending order tony bloom and peter ward with one vote at one point each adam webster also with a point pascal grosh and jacob moda with three neil morpe with six um, bobby sanchez with nine bisuma with 10 donkey with 13 ali mack with 15 now and the top three remain as they were. Trossard with 34, Veltz with 65, and an overwhelming winner with more than double the points total of anyone else is Kukurea Kuku with 146 points from the voting. Thank you very much to the large number of people who contributed their votes and their participation in the voting here. Um, thank you all for uh, for giving us your opinion, your feedback, and your extra notations. And yeah, Kukurea is a very worthy winner. Let's hope he is back with us next season. To be honest, I think it is too soon for him to be sold. But fingers crossed, um, we will either get a ridiculously large fee for him, 
or we'll see him in the stripes again next season. That pretty much sums up this episode then. We will be having some more episodes during the summer. We hope to get in two or three special guests. We have, we have got an episode coming up, um, a special feature including some book, film and other um, covered features. So we've got that coming up. In the meantime, again, if you can, please rate and review us. It really helps with us on the, on the algorithms and all that other jazz, particularly on Apple, if you can review us five stars. That would be absolutely fantastic. Also, on a purely voluntary basis, if you would like to be a Patreon of uh, the podcast, you can do so. It's for as little as £1 a month. You can sign up to subscribe to pay um, a, a, a nominal amount to help us, which will go towards probably funding some microphones in the first instance. Thank you again to our patrons so far involved. And uh, if you do want to do that, you can check them out on www.patreon, which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash Brighton Rock Pod with capital B-R-M-P from Brighton Rock Pod. So that's www.patreon.com forward slash Brighton Rock Pod. Thank you very much for listening as always. That sums up uh, all, all matters really for the active part of this season just finished. It's been a good one. Let's hope for another one in the new season coming up. And in the meantime, we'll see you or you'll hear us rather for some more pods during the summer. Stay tuned for those as and when they pop up. In the meantime, stand or fall up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.